On The Flow podcast is brought to you by AWA, Aotearoa's leading period, postnatal and pee-proof underwear, keeping you supported all day long. Available at awathelabel.com. Kia ora and welcome to On The Flow, the podcast dedicated to exploring the world's tradition of periods, where we have some bloody deep chats and get you one step closer to reconnecting you to your cycle. Kia ora everyone and welcome back to On The Flow uh, with Hana, powered by Awa, the label bringing you kōrero conversations, wānanga and everything else around ikura, our menstrual cycles, ceremonies, how to embrace that um, part of ourselves that we've been discouraged from doing so for so long. And I'm very humbled and very honoured to be sharing the space and sharing this podcast episode with you, uh, with our very special guest who will be introducing herself very shortly. But all I can say for the episode ahead is buckle up <laughs> and get ready for the quarter to come because I had a taste of it uh, just last week as we were getting ready for this conversation and I was blown away and have been rearing to get into this topic ever since and even before that as well. So without further ado, I'll get our manuhiri for this episode to introduce herself and then we'll flow with the corridor from there. So please, Melissa, mm-hmm. how are you? Please I'm introduce so yourself. Good. Yes, thank you so much for the beautiful intro and it is an honour to be here as well. I'm so excited to dive into this. I had to hold back in our conversation last week because I was just so excited and I feel that energy. So thank you for having me here and inviting me on. So who am I? So my name is Melissa Branges. Um, I'm a certified sex and cycle coach. And I work with women around holistic sexuality with menstrual cycle awareness and have previously worked with fertility awareness as well. But my main jam nowadays is really working with holistic sexuality and menstrual cycle awareness. And how I got into this are we diving into that now yeah going straight yeah. <laughs> straight in there straight in there okay so yeah a common question that I get is like how on earth did you end up here doing this um and and it's funny because it's a story that when I was doing this thing that I'm going to share with you I was like oh, I'm not going to tell anyone I'm doing this. And now it's like the story that I tell, it was that light bulb moment, that pivotal point in my life that really switched my boating life where I was like living and working on boats to now supporting and guiding women to embrace their sexuality, embrace their cycles and feel confident and alive and empowered doing those things. So Yeah, let's date back to almost six years ago now where I was in Ubud actually going there for spiritual reasons to hopefully get guidance about a relationship that I was in. (laughs) Give me signs, tell me, is this the right partner for me? And it was funny because I got answers on a completely different topic, which was about um yeah holistic sexuality sensuality femininity embracing yourself as a woman and learning about your body so I was walking along Ubud streets and I saw the sign understanding sex and I was like oh my gosh I'm really curious about that that's so cool but instantly I felt like ashamed of being curious about that I felt Mm. dirty I felt like I'm never going to tell anyone Mm. um and sure enough went and booked a ticket and showed up by myself to this this space and it was like in the jungle this wooden temple space with 50 other women And it was a full day workshop around sexuality, pleasure, embodiment, femininity, like breast massage. Um, I saw like slides of 
over a hundred different vulvas and what they looked like. And that was the first time in my life that I knew that there was more than like two kinds. And I was like <laughs> blown away. I was like, holy shit. Like what is happening right now? This is so cool. And I left that workshop like completely mind blown. Like I was absolutely just like, oh my gosh, I'm 28. And I didn't know this stuff about my body. Yeah. How is that even possible? And I had a really open upbringing. I could freely speak about this stuff and express myself to my parents, but there was just this, yeah, these practices that we learned to actually connect to your breasts, not for somebody else's pleasure, but for mm. your heart space connection, for self-care, for self-pleasure, using like crystal wands or dildos. And like, I was like, oh my God, what the hell is happening right now? <laughs> but it was just this moment as I finished that workshop, I was like, no, I need, I need to learn more. This is, this is like not okay that I don't know this stuff mm. um, and I need to learn more. So, yeah, that was what got me on this journey. And then from then it's really been this journey of healing, transforming, studying, learning, shedding, like getting rid of the stigma and the crap around menstrual cycles, holistic sexuality, pleasure, being a woman who enjoys pleasure and like reclaiming myself as a sexual, sensual woman. So yeah, that's, that's my journey and it's been wild and it's been incredible and fabulous and here I am. <laughs> oh, we're so lucky to have you to share uh, your learnings and what you've added to your kitty and what you've been able to collect and share and help educate others as well along the way. Mm-hmm. And I really resonated with most of what you said and especially how you saw the sign and at first you felt the excitement about understanding sex and what that could be about but then almost automatically you get the rush of excitement to learn about pleasure or um, connecting to your body for yourself Mm. and then the instant shame or suppression that you try to just get rid of those thoughts and I think it's something like oh, I'm not supposed to enjoy these things is that your experience or 100% yeah like to the point that I told myself that I'm not going to tell anyone that I'm going to this workshop no one even knows that I'm here in Ubud I don't know anyone and so shh, I'm not going to tell anyone, I'm just going to go. So it was like my little <laughs> dirty secret. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And why do you think that is? Because I'm assuming it's a really common feeling or experience that wahine, um, that women, menstruators even, um, experience all the time, that it's our sexuality, that pleasure is something that we just ignore or suppress, Mm -hmm. or it's not something that we should look forward to or should investigate and explore. Mm. Yeah, this is big. And... (laughs) And, you know, the first thing that comes up for me is just this conditioning. Like if you are a woman who enjoys sex or pleasure, you are a fill the gap with like horrible words, you know, that whatever. And I think there is this conditioning that women shouldn't enjoy sex. It's something that is for a man or a woman And you do the deed to serve them kind of thing. And there was even an article back in that I got sent um, a few years ago, this article that was an article for women. When your husband got home, make sure your cream is off, your makeup's on. And if he needs sex or wants sex, you give it to him because he's been working. So, you know, coming from this, that makes my skin crawl, (laughs) coming from this culture that it's like this is it's almost like something that you give to somebody else yet it's Mm. not something that you actually harness and cultivate and enjoy within you is what we've kind of been building off of this it's for somebody else 
And it's sad that that's where it is, but times are changing as well. Mm. And then like the shame piece is, you know, kind of like what I mentioned before that if you ask somebody who enjoys that, it means you are X, Y, Z, you know, there's no like empowerment or positivity around a woman who actually enjoys sexually expressing herself or being a sexual being like that hasn't been seen as something that's a good thing. And so we have that conditioning and that is our default programming Mm. for want of a better word for how we see ourselves. And then also as menstruators, uh, we have the blood, which is portrayed in such a negative light as dirty as something to be embarrassed about and to be ashamed of even the, ad that Awa put out in recent days <laughs> being um, what were the I'm just trying to remember the uh, terms for it, it was like um, it violated the shock and scare policies on the platform which is such a like it feels like a dagger almost, you know, mm. cun- cunning through you because that's a natural thing that menstruators experience all over the world. And yet we're told that it's shocking and scary and something to be feared. And so you've got these two natural experiences that we're almost not allowed to have or we're made to feel like we're not allowed. Totally. And FYI to anybody who's listening, if we didn't have a period or if we didn't have sex, we wouldn't be here, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so yet these, these aspects that are so beautiful and so profound are shamed and are shut down and suppressed and we're made to feel dirty because we have a period or because we enjoy sex or we are sexual beings. Yet it is actually such a natural part of human nature, your sexuality. You know, it's like one of the foundations of water, shelter, um, safety, belonging. It's, It's like sex fits in that box. Yes, it does. It does. And I was wondering if you could share your uh, insight and your wisdom around the combination of the two. So like having sex on your period, what are your thoughts on it? Are people doing it? Should we not? What's the stigma around that? Mm, Yeah, totally. Yum. Okay. So sex on your period. So who's doing it? It was interesting. I popped out a little thing on my story on Instagram as part of this beautiful hour campaign that we're running right now. And the majority were people saying, yes, they were doing it. And there were a few saying, no, they weren't because their partner didn't like it or wasn't a fan of it. So I think, yeah, who's doing it? Whoever feels really comfortable about doing it and again if you do have a partner ensuring that they're comfortable with it and honoring their boundaries as well even if they do say it's gross or it's disgusting that's okay there's there's room for education there for for leaning into that oh so tell me a bit about that why is that disgusting for for you and I I gave this example to um, a partner of mine and I said is it disgusting watching like horror movies or action movies where there's like blood and guns and stuff like that all around it's like no because we've seen that a lot and I was like actually yeah that's fair enough right and we don't see period blood a lot so it's it's time to start bringing that out more (laughs) (laughs) um but yet it's it's a natural thing as well. So for the partners who do say that it's disgusting or gross or whatever it is, like it's, it's validating that that's their experience and going, can we lean into this together and have this discussion? I'm, I'm curious to learn more about why you think that's disgusting and can I teach you my view on it and invite you into that sacred space? And then what was the other question? Who's doing it, everyone? Yeah. Should, I, should I speak on the ones who are doing it? 
Yeah. And then also probably um, this was my experience for a time in my life is that I was embarrassed Mm. to have sex during that time. And so, yeah, I think it's one thing for the partner um, to disagree (laughs) or to not want it for those reasons you mentioned. Um, But then also sometimes we as the menstruators can have our own um, fears, shame and other inhibitors around it um, that we need to work through in order to have that conversation or, I think, yeah, explore what that that could be like as well. Yes, I love that. And what's so cool is when you start embracing your blood and embracing this aspect of your femininity, of your sensuality, of your sexuality, whatever it is, I believe that blood um, falls into all of those categories. But when you start embracing that, which could look like looking down at your blood in the shower when you're cleaning yourself and going, whoa, that is actually incredible that my body is doing this, that my body actually didn't get pregnant, the cycle. So it's now finishing off a cycle. It's releasing, right? So there's like some education behind it, touching your blood, getting familiar with it. Um, And when you start to create a relationship with your period and not necessarily just that time of the month, right? It's when you start learning about your whole menstrual cycle, you're just Mm. walled the whole time. And how can you not begin to love and nourish your blood when you start to realize what your hormones are doing throughout your cycle? And I think that's a really beautiful place to start to debunk some of the shame and stigma and go, you know what? This is a part of who I am. I'm a woman who bleeds. Fuck yes, I'm a woman who bleeds. And and that is a part of being a carrier of life, right? We have that, that power to carry and create life. And a part of that journey is my blood. And when you start to create that relationship with your blood and your period instead of like, oh my God, here it is again, or oh God, it's so annoying. I can't do this. I can't do that. It's going, oh my gosh, I am so magnificent. I am such an incredible being that I can do this. And then when you embody that fully, like when you're so in that, the the wow of your feminine body, you inspire your partner or partners to embody and embrace that part of you as well. If you see someone so embodied in their truth or their power, how can you say, no, that's wrong, or I'm not going to do that? It's like, wow, she really believes that this is an incredible part of her body or her being. Mm. Better get on board. So, yeah, I think when you start to embody that, you inspire others to then do the same. Yeah, and it's such an intimate part of you that you're tapping into. And I know I've been around some people just stepping into their truth or they've shed the layers of other people's expectations or even their own expectations of where and who they should be in their life and their own who they are and where they are right now and it's so what's the word oh it's um it's almost entrancing Mm. and you're hypnotized by it and you want some of it for yourself not to do what they're doing but you want that feeling for yourself and so I can see how it clicks right away when we're talking about sex and embracing that uh, sensuality, the blood, the feminine, and really stepping into it and leaning into it. Oh, I can feel it right now (laughs) as we're talking. Embrace, embrace. (laughs) Um, And you touched on it just a little bit earlier, and I was wondering if we could come back to it around debunking some myths around why some people don't have sex during their menstrual cycle when they bleed. Mm. Yeah, a common one is that it's dirty and disgusting, like actually touching blood. You know, if you're with a male partner, for example, if you were to have unprotected sex, having his 
penis covered in blood or whatever you know it's like oh my god that's disgusting that's wrong it's dirty it could infect me you know these these ideas that it's really dirty um so that is a huge myth it's not dirty your blood is simply another body fluid if you look at it well how I see it is the comparison to semen you know semen is like we very happily touch that and I won't go into any more details (laughs) but (laughs) we very happily you know Mm. are aware of that and yet your blood is a mixture of cervical mucus the the uterine lining blood you know it's like it's actually got nutrients in it that is incredible nutrients minerals in your blood so it's not dirty in fact feed it to your plants or watch your plants grow it's incredible incredible liquid and fluid so um yeah that's a huge huge myth the second one is that people are just uneducated like if you don't know this stuff get educated and start learning about your body or your partner's body so that you feel comfortable and safe having period sex even in self-pleasure like if you're someone that that you're starting this journey of of maybe having period sex I would say start to explore it in the shower or somewhere where it's like okay you've got that element of water to kind of wash things away and you start exploring it even doing it with yourself in the shower like touching your vulva on your period in the shower and just starting to yeah put hands to skin and feel it and and create that relationship with it oh i love how you mentioned that that relationship and you You've touched on it so many times throughout your corridor about our relationship with our own bodies in a sensual way, mm. and especially for wahine and then menstruators as well. That relationship being so disconnected almost, mm. or as if it's not a good relationship to have. So don't tend to it, don't cultivate it you're just there to serve X, Y, Z. Like it's not even your body to enjoy and explore what it can do and what it can feel like and different, have different experiences with. Mm. Uh, And so that relational view, I think is such a, something that we understand, but perhaps not intimately, Mm. especially not in this space. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and it's like the how, you know, people are like, okay, I can I can intellectualize that it's a good thing to have a relationship to my body, but like how how do I do that? You know, and if we're talking <laughs> intimately, it's I have um I have students and clients being like, okay, I've I I know what self-pleasure means it means masturbation or touching yourself but like what do I do (laughs) you know what do I actually do um so yeah the how-to is just like understanding actually what you enjoy and this is huge right I put out this a post a while ago of what do you find hard to communicate in the bedroom and the biggest thing was like 70 percent of women and people with vulvas said I don't know what I like. I actually don't know what I like. So self-pleasuring and connecting to yourself intimately is so freaking important. And not only because you get to understand what it is that you like, but you're actually choosing to connect to your body. You're actually choosing to release oxytocin, right? The love connection, trusting hormone in your body when you touch hands to skin. So I think I've just gone way off topic here. But <laughs> no, liking this. How <laughs> to guys. <laughs> Get your pens and pencils out, folks. What I would say to connecting to your body, like intimately connecting to your body, is giving yourself that time of day to actually go into your bedroom and set up your space to connect like this intentional, I'm going to connect to my central body this evening and I'm going to 
light a candle and pop some incense on and maybe I'll have a shower beforehand so I feel really beautiful or whatever that is, really creating that intention to connect to your sensual or sexual self and, yeah, exploring landscape like it's the first time you've ever been there and using your breath and awareness to really be there with yourself moment to moment as you explore. Yeah. And even I remember from a book I was reading, it talked about even getting the mirror or placing yourself in front of the mirror and actually looking at your body in your naked body, your vulva and exploring. It doesn't have to be in a sensual way, but just to explore and to actually see what it looks like and what different parts feel like when they're touched in a certain way to get to know your body. Yes. I love that. (laughs) Absolutely. And like seeing how magnificent your vulva is, like actually like, yes, opening your inner labia, like opening your lips and going, whoa, that's a different color or texture or like softness or or temperature, you know, really getting to understand and look at your vulva that instantly creates that connection, right? You've got that visual of that's what she or it looks like. How crazy or cool or magnificent is that? And especially with what you mentioned with the slides, with the hundred different looking vulvas and with how periods or the female body is portrayed in only a certain way, especially in TV shows and film. And so we only see a certain type if we watch those parts that is <laughs> totally <laughs> and so yeah getting to know um your own body what it looks like how it feels in different ways and i think another point they made in that book was variations of normal yes and how there's not just a or b one or two different types <laughs> but all different types and yeah. so diverse and so beautiful Yeah. Oh my gosh. That was like a complete brain explosion for me when I saw those slides, you know, and I'm going to be so honest here is that pornography has painted this picture of one type of vulva, which is like this tiny tucked away, no outer labia um, spilling out or, or, or the flower effect of your inner labia is this one tidy um, tucked away vulva and that has created so much shame in women mm-hmm. who think that they are not normal or that it's wrong that one inner labia like your inner lip is longer than the other one yeah that is so normal so it's yeah that is massive And I hope that conversations like this and the mahi, the work that you're doing and that I was doing and a few others, I feel like it's becoming, and you mentioned it before, it's becoming uh, more accessible to find this kind of information. Whereas before, I think it would be like a hushed conversation somewhere behind some building (laughs) that you didn't want anyone else to know about because of all the stigma around it. Um, And so I want to admit to you again uh, Mm. for what you're doing and return to dive in a little bit deeper to something you mentioned about communicating with your partner, Mm. because I think we've got a enough of a grounding for now we might touch on it before we wrap up the episode (laughs) Um, for more um, tips and advice around um, the pleasure and getting to know ourselves and that kind of exploration Um, but for many of us it can be so difficult to communicate what we want or sometimes we don't even know what we like and to start that conversation intellectually we know like okay we need to talk about this with our partner or partners but how do I do that (laughs) 
<laughs> like I don't have the words or I don't want to kill the mood or mm. so many different things going on and you're thinking about all this thing like you want them to have a good time but you want to have a good time yourself as well mm. so what do you do <laughs> can you help us out please <laughs> all right sit down <laughs> Okay, well, I'll pass this on to your friend. (laughs) Yes, intimate communication language is my jam. Oh, my gosh, I'm so passionate about this. And it's a continual practice. Like I want everyone to know right now that I have not nailed this down 100% and I can't, and I can easily articulate every single word when it comes to having sex or being intimate. Let's just shine a bit of light on this for a minute here that when you are intimate, you're getting it on, it's heated, it's hot, it's heavy. This magnifies any emotion, having to speak up, um, vulnerability, putting yourself out there, even being naked, like this whole space is almost like an invitation to zip it up and be quiet and just go with the flow and not in a good way this time. (laughs) So internet communication language is so important. And yes, the foundation to be able to speak what you want is understanding what you want. So you have to know what you want to be able to speak up. And then comes the moment where you've got to, you've got to go to your edge and know that yeah, it's going to be uncomfortable. And you may go, oh my God, this is not feeling good. What do I, you know, I've got to, I've got to tell them that this is not good. I don't like it like this. And it is so incredibly common, sadly, that most women or people just go with it. And it's like, oh, it'll be over soon. Or I'll just, you know, this is for them. They've had a hard day. I'll just, you know, I'll do it for them. Yeah. And it's about actually stepping into your sexually empowered woman or your pleasure queen, goddess, goddess, whatever you want to call her it, and going, you know what? No, my pleasure is important. My pleasure is a priority as well. But then how do I communicate that in the bedroom? And it's going, you know what? I may kill the mood right now, but my pleasure is important. Or all right, I'm going to say this, I may hurt their feelings, but, you know, I'm just going to give it a go. Sex isn't perfect. Sex is messy and it's fun and it's playful and you make mistakes and we're human, right? We haven't been taught how to have these kind of conversations in the bedroom. And something that really helped me when I was learning about this is saying I statement. So I love it when you do this. Or if all of a sudden sex is going really fast, which is common, and it's like, oh, my God, I just feel myself close up, clench up, dry up, and it's like this is not feeling good. In fact, this is hurting. Mm. It's those moments where you go, I'm going to say this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, hey, I love it when you kiss me. Can we go back to that? Or I love it when things slow down a little bit more. I actually get really turned on when things go a bit slower. Can we go back to that? So it's this this idea, this art almost of keeping things in the flow by using really inviting and delicious language rather than, what the hell are you doing? Don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. So it's using this. Yeah, I'll just cross those off. (laughs) (laughs) Starting to make sense. Okay. Yeah. So let your friend know. (laughs) And look, you know, I have done it. Uh, You know, if if we've got time, I'll share a really quick story about how I killed the mood. And and. I was with my partner and it's at the start of our relationship and I was like, oh, you know, I'm trying, we're trying to press, press each other and things started speeding up way too quickly and I don't like fast 
six, my body shuts down. I freeze, I dry up. I, I just actually want it to be over as soon as that starts happening. And it did, it started happening. I could see that my partner was like really excited and turned on. And that just added to the pressure of me being like, oh my gosh, I'm not in this mood right now. And what do I do? And I stepped into my sexually empowered woman and I thought, I've got to practice what I preach here. I'm going to say this and I may hurt his feelings and I may kill the mood, but I'm going to step into that and I'm going to really own this because I'm not having fun. He's the only one having fun right now. So I'm going to step into that. And I said, babe, I'm feeling a little shut down right now. Can we go a bit slower? And I killed the mood. (laughs) He went soft. (laughs) I dried up. He felt hurt. (laughs) And I was like, Oh God, what have I done? What have I done? And I thought, you know what? No, I'm going to stay true to this. That actually wasn't feeling good for me. And I said, let's just spoon. Let's just hold each other in spoon. And in that moment, I ensured that I got straight into my head and I figured out like, oh my God, you've killed the mood, that you shut things down. You should have just gone with it. And I actually coached myself and said, I love you so much. Thank you for speaking up. I love you. Like, congratulations for doing that. And I sat there with myself, just giving myself all of this love going, you're incredible for speaking up. And then the most incredible thing happened from then on as we started this slow touch again, and then started kissing and had the most incredible sex after that. And I truly believe that's because my needs were met. My partner knew exactly what I enjoyed and where to go from here. We had slow, central, connected sex. And some that would have been some of the best sex we've ever had because there was communication there. So even if you do kill the mood or if you do feel like you've hurt your partner's feelings know that you can bounce back from that it doesn't mean it's the end and things are just they're dead and done hold each other and stay in your ground and know that you spoke up for a reason and that's valid honoring that and knowing that you can bring it back up knowing that your partner will understand what your needs are personally um being able to relate to that thought process of oh should I say something like no we're probably almost finished anyway it'll be done and then we'll next time yeah yeah I'll say something next time because we're already in it now so I don't want to kill this experience at least one of us gets to enjoy it Hmm. like that kind of process and like we've said a few times, intellectually, I know that's not okay and I'm not doing justice to myself. Mm. But, yeah, the trying to break that habit, Mm. I'd assume it had become for many of us. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Yeah, trying to break that or to find that courage somewhere to Mm. be able to initiate that conversation and be like, hey, actually, I've I've crossed out my (laughs) all those other statements (laughs) Um, but actually yeah initiating that conversation to let them know what's going on or if you don't like what's happening Um, yeah I think the sting of that could be the hardest part or is that an assumption Mm. Um, but then once you're over it it kind of you get to that deeper level and you can connect in a way that you probably hadn't before. I mean, so do you have any words of encouragement or advice on, yeah, how to take that leap or how to Hmm. cliche feel the fear and do it anyway? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) totally. And I think it's about, like accessing that power within you and going, I'm worthy of having my needs met. I am worthy. I am enough right now to have my partner love me in the way that I want to be loved, have my partner please me the way that I really want to be pleased right now. So it's about going knees shaking or body shaking going, oh God, I'm going to say it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to say it. And it may not come out perfect. You know, I've had 
terrible times where it hasn't come out perfect, but it's actually going, I'm going to, I'm going to go to the edge here, my edge, and I'm going to feel the discomfort of what this brings, but actually you will be surprised what that conversation could bring. And actually the deeper connection that it brings to your relationship, the deeper love uh, that it brings to your relationship, because you've opened up that conversation, which is vulnerability. You know, anything that's vulnerable creates depth in your relationship. Oh, that's so beautiful. Definitely be passing that on to my friend. (laughs) (laughs) And I love how you talked about, yeah, that being worthy and that we deserve to enjoy these experiences in our lives. And that ties in really well to well-being. Mm. And sex being a part of that mm. is not a very common connotation we make. Totally. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I've got a lot to say on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's you know, the well-being industry very much like yoga, spiritually, mind, um, eating the right food, moving your body, exercise. But what about sexual appetite here? And when you are sexually active, you know, with somebody that you feel really good about, it gives you that jing or that that chi or that life force within you, which is a huge part of your well-being. If you have ever been somebody who has gone long periods of not being sexually active or even with yourself, that when you do start to have that relationship again, it gives you that extra like spice or or confidence or it brings you back home into your body. So I think sexuality is a huge, huge part of our well-being that just isn't spoken about enough. Um, And I believe it is a part of our self-care, our self-love, you know, do the baths, do the face facials, but also like touch yourself, (laughs) connect to your sexuality, get, get involved with that as well. And that, yeah, that'll bring you home to your body in deeper ways than you realize. Oh, that's so beautiful. And while it is, or can be really beautiful and empowering to tap into that part of ourselves that is natural, that is normal, that is powerful. But for some who have experienced trauma or abuse in the past, that's the last thing they're thinking about and don't want to go anywhere near the topic or anywhere near um, those parts of themselves because there's so much mummy, so much hurt mm. and trauma associated with their body or with their sexuality or that part of themselves. And I was wondering if you could share some facado around that. Mm. Yeah. So for somebody who has been traumatized, abused, gone through any non-consensual acts of sexuality, Starting that journey needs to be something that is slow and completely filled with safety. And having feeling safe in your body and resourcing in your body is so important when you bring and talk about sexuality. So when I work with clients who have been through that, we work a lot around safety. So where where do you feel safety in your body? And then inhibiting that during self-pleasure and knowing the door's locked, I feel safe in my body right now and I can go so slow when I connect to myself. And it's actually rewiring that path, that neurological path around sexuality in your body. It's imprinting into the body that you are safe. This is different. This is your touch. Um, And so that's focusing more around self-pleasure. And with a partner, making sure there is open communication to create safety. I'm feeling like this. I feel shut down, um, which can be huge for somebody who's been through that because their voice has just been stripped from them in that moment. Mm. Um, So, yeah, 
safety, safety, safety is a huge piece that I work with my clients and then moving so slowly. Maybe it's just like touching your breasts for a month, just starting to connect to your body Mm. and then moving like that. Yeah. And you mentioned it earlier on in our conversation around the pressure that Mm. you can feel, especially if it's with a partner and you're trying to impress each other and you want to make sure that you're um, providing a good experience. Mm. That doesn't sound right at all (laughs) as it came out of my mouth. With the conditioning that we have to view our bodies is something not to be explored or it's for the pleasure of someone else Um, and then with the menstrual cycle as well and the perceptions that it's that our blood is dirty all those layers and then that on its own makes it hard and makes it quite difficult to communicate what you want or to even figure out what you like and what you don't like and then to add experiences of trauma on top of that. Mm. I can't fathom how difficult that is to enter into those spaces. And so I really appreciate how you're talking about safety. And are there resources readily available or even support? Mm. I think would be coming to mind as one of the key pieces in rekindling or re-establishing that relationship with the body and with self. Mm, yeah. And I think what can be really beautiful and, you know, I'm going back to basics here is like following really incredible Instagram accounts and listening to podcasts like this, where you can do it from one, the safety of your own home, mm-hmm. like creating that, that space of privacy, right? Where no one else needs to know that you're listening to this or even on this journey, signing up to really good courses where it's about resensitizing your body after trauma. So yeah, that is where I would, I would begin is starting your journey by following somebody that you really resonate with, who can speak mm. your language around that. You know, I'm mainly focusing here on someone who has been through abuse and, and, and starting your journey off learning in that really safe environment, podcasts, Instagram, maybe signing up for a little course, reading books around um, reconnecting to your body after abuse or trauma. And just knowing that you have all the time in the world to explore this and to reconnect. There is no rush to be a sexually empowered woman or to be someone that you have to get rid of your trauma. Um, I think it's really yeah, about I have all the time in the world to create, to to recreate this relationship to my sexual self and my trauma or my abuse can be a part of that. It's welcome into that space as well. Um, so yeah, that is what I would recommend for those who are wanting to start their journey and not necessarily have the funds to invest in a coach or having that one-to-one support. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm sure we can put a few lists together um, and we'll post it up on the our mm. platforms um, for your recommendations for where people can access or where they can follow and read and get their hands on these types of taonga uh, to add to their kite, these resources to help them along their journey wherever they fit and really wanted to emphasize again, what you mentioned about knowing that you don't have to rush and there's no pressure at all. And this is one of the catch 22s that we have with social media can be so powerful Mm. when we find those accounts that we resonate with and someone has words to describe the experience we're feeling or they can articulate it in a way that we never thought of before, but is exactly uh, 
relatable to what we might be feeling. Um, but also at the same time, when you see so many people embracing their sexuality or their sexual power and everything that comes with it, when you're not at that stage yet or when you don't feel like you're ready for that, oh, that can also feed the shame like, oh, I'm not, like you can start to compare yourself, like, oh, I'm not there yet. And then it, that shame just grows and grows. But like what you said, there's no rush. There's no pressure to mm-hmm. take those different steps we need to take as the individual mm-hmm. to explore that part of ourselves. Yeah. And one thing I really want to say here as well is that if you are in partnership with somebody is inviting them on your journey with you saying like, babe, I'm feeling really drawn to explore this part of myself. Will you be there with me? Or are you open to exploring this with me? Or, you know, just inviting them in on your journey so that you know you're not alone, that your partner's there supporting and even sharing, I feel vulnerable, you know, this is what's coming up for me. It's reminding me of that and allowing them to hold space for you to process as well. I think it's just so beautiful when you have a partner holding that space for you as well. Mm. And do you have any whakaro to share if there is no partner and it's just the individual um, person going through that? Yeah, absolutely. And close family, friends, you know, do you have that bestie that you can share these things with and say, oh, my gosh, I've, I'm doing this this course or I've read this book and, and sharing your experience as well with those close friends or family or somebody that you can trust will really support you on your journey as well. And if you feel closed off from doing all of that, know that you have the resources within you to hold yourself as well. You can self-resource in those moments. Where do you find peace or safety in your body? Resource, go there. Know that you've got yourself as well, that you don't need others to hold you. You can hold yourself. Oh, it's so beautiful. And I'm just cannot stop thinking about that analogy uh, that you shared. The line was coming home to your own body and feeling comfortable there. And for me, I was really a tomboy when I was growing up and most of my friends were all boys or they were my cousins as well. And women were portrayed in a way that I couldn't understand. And Mm. so I was like, oh, well, I don't want to be like that. And so as I went through puberty and my body started to change and it was so, my body wasn't home for me in so many ways. And then administrating on top of that as well and the connotations and the shame and the stigma that comes with that, um, it's been a process and no doubt it'll continue as my body continues to change with the different seasons uh, that I'll be going through. That's such a perfect description or a perfect analogy, I think, is to learn and to seek out resources, Mm -hmm. accounts or information to help feel more at home and more comfortable and our mm. body and I love what you've shared with our corridor so far and I want to keep talking as well but <laughs> I think we might have to get you on for another episode <laughs> because no doubt more is going to come from this from our listeners as well um, mm. I've already been I think I've got a page and a half of notes and questions <laughs> for your friend <laughs> yeah for my friend of course <laughs> Um, but before we wrap up for our episode today, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to put it out to the universe um, that we'll be having another conversation and we'll, yeah, we're going to make that happen. Mm-hmm. And so for our listeners, if you have any questions or if there are topics you want us to go deeper into, please let us know, send those through um, so that we can get that ready for our next quarter or with Melissa. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we wrap up, there were some topics that I wanted to get your 
opinion on. And I think this, this will be a nice way to wrap up our conversation for today. When do you feel most horny during your entire cycle? Mm. Okay, so this is based on my experience. Yeah, or okay. even, and I know you don't want to share or you don't need to share anything about your clients, but with conversations you've had with other yeah. uh, wahine or menstruators even, is there a time we're more horny than others? Or? Yeah, absolutely. So what I see commonly um, as a menstrual cycle coach is there are these two parts of the cycle that women can feel more turned on, aroused, horny, whatever you want to call it. And they are around menstruation, so your period, and ovulation. So ovulation more commonly because your hormones are actually working for you to create a baby, right? So you're feeling more juiced up. You'll have more cervical fluid, which is fertile mucus. Um, and your body's essentially going, come on, make a baby. I want that semen. Let's make this baby. Your hormones are working for you in terms of your libido being at its peak around ovulation. And that will drop off and can drop off after you've released an egg a few days after that and you go down to the waning period. The other high peak of arousal within your cycle can be around your period. And this can be due to your uterus actually weighing down on your G-spot area and causing a bit more like sensation or pleasure around that space as well. So hormonally, estrogen isn't going, come on, make a baby, but actually like physically um, the, the weight of your uterus shedding or about to shed can create more pleasure in your vagina as well. So the two parts of the cycle. Oh, very cool. Love learning more about how our body's working at different times as well. And just on the G-spot, I remember as a teenager, and probably even before that with the different magazines that were so popular around that time. And that was all the craze. Mm. And then as I'm coming to learn with different books, like it's not just this spot. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> There's actually been miseducated and misinformed about the female body. And you know, with the, we talked about the slides that there's more than two different types of vulvas um, and all those different things. And the G spot is yeah, definitely another one of them. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. Did you have anything to share with our listeners around misconceptions or myth busting around that? Totally. I mean, so if even if we look at the G spot, it is not just this button that you push and pleasure comes from it. It is this zone, this area in your vagina um, that's about a knuckle deep on the roof of your vagina. And there's so many different spots actually in your vagina or zones that are filled with pleasure. And we have no idea. We just think quickly rub the clitoris, make that happen. Or, you know, the G spot as well. This like, there's so much pleasure in your whole sexual anatomy, but also your whole body as well. I never like to just mm. focus on the genitals, like do that there, make that happen. Like bring your whole body into it. It's a full bodied experience when you're connecting um, to your sexuality. It wasn't really a myth bust, but almost like a little education 101 that there is a whole world down there and that just focusing on these certain locations or spots you're doing yourself a disservice like explore the whole area internally externally and your whole body yeah oh, I love that thank you and more notes for our next episode <laughs> as well <laughs> I don't think we touched on it earlier on in the episode but I was wondering if you could share the benefits of sex while you're menstruating Mm, yes, absolutely. Where do I start? So I think the obvious one is that there's extra lubrication. 
you have cervical mm. fluid in your blood. It makes things wetter and slipperier. And I'm a huge advocate for lube and for it to be slippery and slidey and fun and sexy. So huge benefit is that you have extra lubrication. Um, having sex on your period can help relieve tension, right? If you're someone who's experiencing lots of cramping, actually being able to experience orgasm releases oxytocin. It releases all the feel good chemicals in your body and helps with pain and tension. Um, sex on your period, what else? So there's heightened sensitivity because you're a bit more sensitive around that time. So it can create more sensation, more pleasure. And also because there is more blood flow, there seemingly can be more pleasure because where there is blood flow, where there is like, you know, chi energy moving through, there is more pleasure where there's no blood flow and things are constricted or tight. There is less sensation or sensitivity in that area as well. So those are a few benefits Go do it. Sex on your period. (laughs) (laughs) And I would even encourage people to try. And then if you don't like it, for whatever reason, like that's all right too. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe unpack why you don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Start there. Um, yeah, but again, with everything that we're sharing, um, there's no pressure at all. Mm. These are just, yeah, bits of information. You can take what you like and leave what you don't and maybe come back around to the episode another time mm. um, along the journey and we'll see what else resonates um, at that time. And one last part type before we wrap up our cordial uh, for today is how... I'm going to ask you personally, this is quite a personal question, um, mm-hmm. how is using awa as you menstruate um, so much better? What are the benefits of that, um, especially embracing your sexuality and that sexual power? How is using awa better than um, tampon, cups, single-use mm-hmm. period products? Mm-hmm. How have you found it? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I mean, our has revolutionized my period. And I know that so many of my um, menstrual cycle clients say that as well, actually connecting to it, like rinsing out your underwear and seeing your blood like, oh, okay. It is just blood. So it's connecting to that, but also like on a like let's just get a bit practical here is that before self-pleasuring or having sex instead of having to go oh I just got to go to the bathroom and take out my tampon or I've just got this pad or or whatever is going I'm just going to slip my underwear off and you're good to go straight away and then you can just slip them back on and a little tip here if you are going to have sex on your period Set yourself up, make it, make yourself feel sexy doing it. Pop your towel down and have your hour underwear ready to go and seduce your partner or yourself. And then when you feel like it's the right time, you can just slip your underwear off. You're on your towel, you're ready to play. And then when you're ready, you can just slip your underwear back on. And it's just, it it keeps that flow going. (laughs) The good flow. (laughs) Yeah, the good flow. Oh, I really like that. And you've touched on it a few times to do the things, little things like creating almost like a ceremonial ritual about it to make sure that we feel as empowered and comfortable and sensual in that space as possible yeah absolutely yeah I really like that and how the our underwear plays a part in that and just being part of the normal routine I suppose in yeah stripping down stripping the right (laughs) way Yeah, let's get sassy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and stripping down and putting them back on straight after. If that's where the flow has taken you. <laughs> Stop it. 
<laughs> oh no, thank you so much, Melissa. I think we could carry on for another couple of hours. Um, so many different things have come up uh, from what you've shared today, um, but we'll make sure that we do justice to the corridor and the kaupapa, the topics that we have shared today. And really want to thank you for making the time to go out on this journey that was so intimate mm. and personal for you at that point in your life and collecting the knowledge that you have and then sharing that with us mm. um, here today and on your different platforms as well um, really even in this short time has helped me to reframe and almost recalibrate some of the beliefs that I have about myself and my body and my sexuality or sexual power as well. So one of the to you. Mm. And were there any last words you had to share with our listeners um, before we wrapped up this um, episode? Mm. Yeah, well, I just want to say thank you, Hannah. It's been such a joy. Oh, and um, your friend as well. <laughs> I have so many questions. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me on. I have just loved having this conversation with you and thank you for the important work that you're doing as well. And, yeah, I just want want any woman to know that this is accessible to you. You don't have to be a certain type, shape, flavor, color, whatever, to be a sexually empowered woman. Every single woman has access to this energy to embody um, a sexually liberated woman. Very cool. Thank you so much. And again, to our listeners, if you have any part, any questions, if you want to explore more, we'll be sharing Melissa's details if you want to get in touch with her. Um, but of course, take this it or and wrestle with it, interrogate it, explore it, and see what comes up for you. And in the safety, which is one of the key themes that's come out for me uh, from this conversation, um, in the safety of your own space, which you can create um, wherever you might be, we encourage you to explore that. Mm. what that could look like for you or what it could feel like and take it at your own pace. And this podcast, Melissa, Awa, and so many other resources and support people are out there um, to help Mm. along that journey as well. So thank you for tuning in. We look forward to um, the conversations that this will spark up and future episodes as well with Melissa and our other manuhiri, our other guests and kaupapa we get to cover on On The Flow as well. Mm. Kena koutou. Yes. Yes.